Hello, hello. Welcome to Words and Voices, a little sanctuary, a quiet nook where you'll hear hard, raw, and humbling conversations with some of the best humans elevating humanity. This is for the round pegs and square holes, the misfits, oddballs, weirdos, tinkerers, and thinkers who dig a simple philosophy that one word, one message, one idea, and one voice can change the world. So, without further ado, here's our chief mischief maker, Neelam Tawar. Welcome to part two of Neelam's interview with Will Morsey, a 12th grader in Fort Worth, Texas, who is the founder and CEO of the nonprofit Frogs, which has provided over 900,000 meals since 2010. In part one, we heard about what led Will to form the nonprofit, what his plans are for the future, and he touched on his experiences during a recent trip to Japan. Now, if you missed part one, go back to episode four of Words and Voices and check it out. In part two of the interview, Will talks more about travel and the impact it can have. I guess the one thing I'm wondering is, how does travel make you look at things? Does it change your perspective at times? That is a fantastic question. I think travel is a fantastic way to change your perception and most of all, meet different people, learn new things. Because of my work with Sister Cities, I've had so many experiences and I've gotten to do so many new things. And travel, I say one of the most important parts of it is language and learning how humans communicate. Uh, Right now I'm learning Italian, Portuguese, and German. And in the future, I'm looking to go to Guatemala and study Yucatec Mayan. So I think language is a key part of the human experience. It really changes your perception when you travel. I really learned that from watching that young Indiana Jones show. And one of the lines in it is to learn every language of every country you visit. And in Canada, Indiana Jones speaks 27 languages. So that's just a little piece of trivia for you. What's your target number? Because I have a feeling you're going to achieve it in what, like five years? I don't know, actually. (laughs) The easy ones are in the Roman alphabet, mm-hmm. all the really widespread ones. But I'm going to have to figure out the calligraphy and all those radically different ones that alter from Roman canon. So that's going to be something. I don't have a set number. I'll just try to learn what I can. Well, no wonder you don't have time to date. Just kidding. I thought I'd throw in that, that in there. <laughs> That is just amazing. And I think for you to be able to understand the core gifts of traveling, for me, it's always been around tap. You know, it builds tolerance, I think. I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned from being on the road so much, at least for the last four years, is even though I'm of Indian descent, I mean, I've not really stayed in Asia, really, or explored Asia. And when I was in Thailand, I learned different things, like you don't touch people on their head. And I was in a classroom, I was doing a session and I, you know, just being the way I am, I put my hand around people. I'm just, I can get very handsy, quote unquote. And they, they taught me what, like someone just pointed out to me that normally they don't. And I was like, oh, okay, good to know. But no one took offense to it because they're kids and whatnot. But you just learn so much about where culture comes from, where tradition comes from. And I think if we can respect some of those differences without looking at them and saying you're wrong or you're too different for my liking. I think we may be able to build some kind of harmony between different parts of the world as well. Oh, of course. Through my travels, I've learned so much about other cultures and 
it is such a very enlightening experience. And I think for travelers, it's always had that effect of tolerance because I'm currently reading a book about maritime history and about American sailors around the world, mid 19th century. And we always think about uh, Westerners traveling as being snooty and whatnot. But when they go around the world, they have a very strange, real fascination with other cultures, souvenirs and meeting people. And I think that's a core part of the human experience. Yes, a travel link builds tolerance and exposure to others. And just asking, uh, where in Thailand were you? I was in Bangkok. I didn't do much. <laughs> I just Bangkok. did. <laughs> I, I, I awesome. just, yeah, but I didn't have that much time to explore the other parts of the country. And I have friends there now, so of course I'll probably, whenever you know life brings me back there, I think I'll spend a, a decent amount of time hanging out there. And the other place I definitely want to check out while I'm here is Indonesia and Vietnam, Cambodia. Those are the types of places I've, I just don't have exposure to those places other than having watched them in Hollywood movies, right? Because you, you get your context sometimes from there. But yeah, those would be on my list. <laughs> I have so many on my list, <laughs> just like you. So do I. <laughs> Virtually everywhere is on my list. And I've always wanted to go to Bangkok to check out the Muay Thai scene. That's always really interested me. Yes, and it's interesting because they have, as with everything, they have beginner versions and whatnot. But I've actually seen people practice it in the open, and it's it's beautiful. Wow. That makes me think. You're very well-traveled, obviously. Now that you're in India and you, you've been there quite a long time, what American foods do you really miss? America. It's so interesting you ask me that. I sometimes miss like a good, simple pasta, just a simple, clean, with a little bit of virgin olive oil. I think I miss that sometimes because they put um, in India, they, they put spices and everything. But what they do is they use, a, a, they give you red pepper flakes, which I've never used on my pizza or anything. I just like, I just never lean toward it. But they actually, in the pasta as well, they sometimes put that in the pasta here as well. Really? Yeah, I asked them. I'm like, hey, please don't put anything. I just want a clean, simple spaghetti or something like that. So would we consider pasta to be on that list? I don't know. But I think, um, what would I miss? I think I would miss like a little bit of Starbucks action here and there. <laughs> or do you have Rudy's in Fort Worth? Because it's an Austin thing. Did you ever have that in? What is Rudy's? It's Tex-Mex. Okay, I'm not sure about that, but I do know we have a ton of Tex-Mex here in Fort Worth. And the one thing I missed after eating all that Japanese food, which, if you like it, that's fine. It's just stop for me. I wanted nothing more than a good cheese enchilada when I got home. Oh, yum. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's almost close to dinner time from here, so you can't talk about this stuff. <laughs> I don't know where I would go to get my fix. <laughs> so, okay, this travel bit is just so intrinsic in everybody that I need because the desire and the curiosity to know beyond what you actually are experiencing right now is such a beautiful trait. And it's the, I believe it's a trait of thinkers and uh, wanderers to some extent. So I guess that I, I'm just wondering how you feel about would you ever consider being on the road for like, let's say a year, just travel and work and experience things differently and maybe not, I'm not trying to say not come home for a year, but would you do that? Like, this is my, I left uh, February of 2017 was when I thought I was coming for a short trip to Asia and it's uh, August 2020. So would you be open to something like that? And 
would you actively plan for it in your life, maybe for even just a year? I have, actually. If you're talking about a gap year, ever since I was about 12, I started planning a European backpacking trip, 60 cities in 30 days. It was insane what I had planned. So I basically expanded and I really seriously thought about a gap year, basically just learning new things like scuba diving, mountaineering, that sort of thing. But the problem is there's so many places it would be so hard to fit in one year. I'd say if I did do that, I would either do a round-the-world one and do a straight shot, or maybe do an extended Southeast Asia one that everyone does. Yeah. I've always wanted to region. There's this part about this, too, where, you know, you don't want to just hop so much that you don't get to enjoy it. Because that's the other thing. When I travel sometimes, I, especially Europe, because when I'm in Europe, I just get very greedy. I'm like, oh, I'm in Finland. I could totally go to Greece, you know? And then I'm like, okay, but once you're in Greece, you know, you're flying out of Heathrow. Like, how is that going to work out? I mean, again, 30 minutes, you're in another country. So you get, I get greedy in Europe, but I have explored or experienced this. If you put too much in a very truncated amount of time, then you're just it's almost as if you're just checking a box and and maybe you don't get to really truly experience the thing that you're there for. So hashtag FOMO is not something I believe in. I just think like, hey, listen, pick five cities, stick with five. And then I do leave room for, so I won't book out my trip, meaning my travel. I'll keep my exit date kind of on one of those flexible tickets or something like that where I can actually change things last minute. I like that. I like the spontaneousness and all of that because I don't want to be so rigid. I don't want to be told I have to wake up at four in the morning to get here. I don't like that. Oh, I completely understand. <laughs> I know you have to slow down, but I also don't like that sappy stuff that the tour guides always say oh. in guidebooks. But you have to spend a week or something to know a place. Do you think that's how it sounds? Like if it was not a book, do you think that's how the voiceover sounds? It sounds like this old cranky <laughs> woman from... <laughs> From the yeah, 70s. <laughs> I don't know from the 70s, but just that overly sentimental stuff that really has no application for real travel. Oh my God, this is so funny. I don't think we've ever spoken like this before. Yes, exactly. So I can do one or two touristy things in a trip, but the rest of it is all about just walking and organically meeting people. And I have the best experiences this way, really. I'm not too much of a scripted traveler. And I think for me, if if I'm confined into doing something very specific, then it has to be for a very short burst of time. <laughs> I get it. Everyone has a different style. I respect that. <laughs> so we'll, I'll ask you maybe the two things that have been on my mind. You and I have different upbringing, different backgrounds, different culture. And yet we're here in this beautiful conversation and we know each other and we're both, I know I'm very respectful and like I said, inspired by your journey. Do you think there's something humanity should be doing? Because I always look at why I brought up the overt differences between us, right? Was because I think sometimes in the current state of the world in general, we're not going to talk about politics or anything that I'm not even referring to that. I just feel there's so much division and there's a lot of anger. Obviously, there are wars that are happening right now, and sometimes we're met with some not-so-pleasant news as well. And people are wanting to polarize and stay on one side of the argument. How do you look at any of this, or do you pay attention? Is there something 
that you may have recently seen where you were like, I don't know why this is happening? Do you go to that place of just trying to work out how the world works sometimes? Like cynicism? <laughs> just looking at the world, you know, just looking at why, why, why is there so much divisiveness when we're one race? And what can we do? And you are coming from the youth perspective, obviously. So you're embodying that, right? You're, you're so open. You're so welcoming and inclusive, right? So what do you think is happening around us where, where there's a little bit of this hate propagating as well in the world at the moment? Does that ever affect you? Or do you think about those things at all? I would say kind of like the world seems much crazier than it was for my parents but then again i have to think it had to always be crazy mm-hmm. it, i just think it's amplified by globalization and social media which have good things but make can have some very bad consequences like a lack of empathy and things like that but I have hope for the future. My generation will always have innovators and people who want to make change and keep the world going in a positive, more fruitful direction. And I think the world's always been like that. But you see people whine today, like saying how some people, they just don't understand how the past 2,000 years in quality of life and Society has improved. Yes. And I think a lack of paying attention to history is a very big part of that because of our ancestors and people who were constantly innovating and thinking the world is in a much better place than it has been, even when our parents were young. And I think by following that trend, and as long as we can keep things going and not have a massive setback, I think we'll be fine. I love that. I sort of say something similar when I'm talking to people and I'm like, you, you do realize you're in probably the best part of human history. We have technology. Look at where you are and look at where I am right now. And we're having this conversation. That's like just one small example of it. I think about, you know, just being a girl, right? And I'm of Indian origin. Like if I was born in like 200 years ago, I couldn't be doing this on my own. <laughs> it wouldn't even be acceptable. So there's so much beauty in the world and there always will be quite rightly so as you're alluding to i think the empathy part is very critical i think we all talk about it but i don't see too many people practicing it at times because somewhere or the other our personal bits come into play but uh, or our personal perceptions of how life is can come into play and that's where i think the lack of empathy comes from sometimes that is just so beautiful that you said that word i love it and you you're spot on I don't know if everyone could hear you say this, but we're not paying attention to history. And that's critical for us to look at what happened before us and where we are right now and how we can, as again, like you're saying that this generation, your generation gets to keep things moving forward because you're, I think, already somewhat hardwired for contribution. You just are. I feel like I see this around like your age group. I see I mean, I knew you since you were seven. So, no, well, I knew you since you were 12. I apologize. Yeah, but I don't imagine you being any different, except just a little taller yeah, now. So <laughs> but yes, it's so, I look toward you and people like you in the world that are doing their part, that are constantly growing, improving, and finding different ways of communicating shifts of 
keeping an eye on contribution. That's really important. Thank you. And I'm glad you're here to discuss and document all of this. Yes, because who knows? We get to see this after a few years and we're like, oh, did you do those languages? And you're like a master in Portuguese now. <laughs> so if you had to leave and to anyone who's listening, we're definitely going to put up links for what Will is up to. You can check out his organization and all these other things that he's connected with. Please look at all of that and, you know, give him a thumbs up if you can, or just send him a beautiful note. He's very responsive. So for anybody who's listening, and let's break this into two, okay? So for somebody who is young and feels like, so maybe your age group or maybe when you started, right? For that person who has an idea or wants to do something. So the first question is that, what would you say to them? And then the second question is, what would you say to parents of kids you feel are gifted, who feel deeply, who want to make change, what would you say to these two different groups of people? Those are two very good questions. Uh, through my experience with my nonprofit in sister cities, I have learned that youth can make a huge change in society. They just don't know it yet. I didn't know it when I was seven years old. And I've learned that the best way to teach a kid to go out there and make a difference, to see a need, make a plan, gather friends, and change the world. It doesn't matter how tall or small you are. We all have the ability to make the world a more positive and productive place. Now, on your second question, what I say to parents, uh, I've been very fortunate to have parents who didn't really understand what I was doing. And basically, I didn't understand either, but were very supportive and helped me to orient myself with goals. So I'd say if you have a kid who wants to get involved in community service or, say, has a very special talent, uh, nurture that and use the resources you have immediately to build them up and teach them and give them more experience. Teddy Roosevelt, one of my favorite things by him is do what you can with what you have, where you are. And just using that, using your abilities and your experience as a parent to nurture and help kid who wants to help or has an ability and just doesn't know how to utilize it to go out there and push it forward. That's amazing. I think support systems are really important. Your parents understanding you is half the battle won, you know. Because I know for a fact that sometimes we can have ideas and especially at a young age, at seven, you can't run with something on your own. You weren't even driving. So your mom and dad had to take you places, right? So even just little things like that and, and parents stepping in to co contribute in whatever capacity they can, it makes a world of a difference. And who knows, you know, as you said, with certain people who have certain gifts, maybe that's really the thing that changes the their trajectory of their life and the types of people they could impact as well, right? I loved uh, speaking with you, <laughs> as always. I like hearing about your career and all the crazy places you've traveled. And it's awesome to be a part of this. Thank you so much. Well, I have so many stories that I'm hoping that I will also be able to talk about just on my own through the podcast and maybe do like, you know, little sessions of me, just my little musings and, and sharing some things that I've discovered and whatever life takes you, I think one of the, the things that I felt when I was making that decision to leave, or I didn't even think through it the way most people would, 
but it was already there. The desire to do something different was always there. I, I felt I was, uh, quote unquote, wasting myself away at a corporate job when I didn't feel so deeply connected to that work. And I would see people around me that could actually wake up every morning and still do that thing. And there's no ding to that. Absolutely not, because they're built, people have bills to pay all kinds of things. I had that too. But to make that decision to stop beating yourself up about the choice you've made with what you knew at that point. Because that's the other thing that the Roosevelt quote that you gave is just so beautiful. Both your quotes today are fantastic. The Walt Disney one and this too. You cannot beat yourself up for a decision you made knowing what you knew for that moment. So most people forget that and forget that you had only that much amount of data or experience or knowledge or support or whatever it might be for you to be able to have made that particular type of decision in that moment. So for me, it's all, I hope I, I get to keep documenting it. I, I hope I get to find pockets of time where I can share it, bring people like yourself in these types of conversations, because there's been so much wisdom dropped by you today that I literally want to come out of the screen and hug you. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely not wise. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just you're... have more experience than most kids my age, I guess. Well, I get to label it, not you. <laughs> But that's also because you're quite humble. So you're being very generous and kind uh, in this moment. But truly, like, I think your journey is going to just skyrocket even more. And I, I really, truly hope that you go to those, those things because really at this point, I'm not going to be surprised if you tell me you want to become an astronaut and you do that. I'm not you know, just not going to be surprised. <laughs> I've looked into it. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not comfortable with the G-force. You're not going. <laughs> you, you'd like to have your feet firmly planted on planet yeah. Earth. <laughs> You're not going to get me on one of those SpaceX things anytime soon. Okay, so that surprises is, is uh, not going to happen in my life because you've just nixed it. You've already explored that avenue. <laughs> oh my gosh! But it was a pleasure, and I hope you come back again when we've had a little bit of time accomplishing the things that we both are working on. And I can't wait to see where our journey takes you. Well, seriously, cannot. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be on the show, and I can't wait to see how it moves forward. Me too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to part two of Neelam's interview with Will Morsey. Just a reminder that you can find part one in episode four of Words and Voices. You can find out more about Will at willmorseyfrogs.com. That's W-I-L-L. L-O-U-R-C-E-Y-F-R-O-G-S dot com. Thanks so much for stopping by Words and Voices with Neelam Tawar. We can't wait to see you again with another voice and more words from game changers, movers and shakers, and quiet visionaries creating a dent in the world. Oh, and please don't forget to comment and share what resonated with you here or on info at neelamtawar.com. Till we meet next, and as Neelam says, be good to you.